0: in the glory of the coming of the Lord. We can read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. Our God is marching on. He has sounded for the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He's sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Lord, that will be swift in our souls to answer you. We'll be jubilant in our feet. We'll be prepared every day and on the way of your coming, in the name of Jesus Christ. May the glory of your bosom that transfigures us, us, prepare us, Lord, as we heed your call and lift your glory. May the power of your word that ministers grace to the heart of the hearer minister even here, speaking your word that makes us live in the spirit and ready for your coming. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to thank God for His mercies, for His grace, for His sustenance through the first half of the year. And now we have entered the second half of the year. Second July. And glory be to God. He who has made you victorious over the first half of the year. He will prevail through you and in my life and your life into the second half of the year and through it in the name of Jesus Christ. He will survive through the second half of the year and he will also live to praise his name, ever ready on a daily basis for encounter with him and in living with him in the name of Jesus Christ. You will agree with me that the message already is preached in the course of the words of prophecy. First prophecy said... The days are evil. The days are troublesome. More and more troubles every day. And they will never cease. And they will continue. Because in the last days. And you will still see many more of them. And these things will not come to an end. But those who run into me. And those who abide. And those who dwell. And those who trust. They will continually be lifted up. Even when men see cast casting down. And secondly, we heard, noise all around, challenges all around, difficulties all around, and in the midst of these difficulties, as you lift up your eye, I will be there. Not only that, I am coming soon with my host of angels to take you home. And yet, the glory will come. So the message is preached. We only remind ourselves continually that God's message is consistent and does not change. And I do pray that as He stares our hearts, if there be any wink, if there be any wrinkle, if there be any doubt, if there be any unpreparedness, if there be any cause, as it happened in the days of Noah, they mocked and they also laughed and they went on life as usual. If there be any continuing of life as usual, 2014, 20, 2015, 20, 2016, 20, 2017, life as usual, there will be a turning point that will keep you and I prepared in the name of Jesus. The purpose of the church is twofold. The church exists to save the lost. And secondly, to prepare the saved. To make heaven. To prepare the saved to meet with God. That's the purpose of the church. Every other thing we do is an addendum. Build places where we worship. Make it comfortable. They are all part of it. But to save the lost. And to prepare the saved to make heaven. And to meet with God. That's Matthew 28. 18 to 20. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. All power in heaven and on earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore into the world, and do what? Make disciples. Save the lost. Make disciples. Go. Make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when you have done that, Prepare them to make heaven, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. That's what the church is to do. So, as we come into the church and we are stirred up to go and save the lost as instruments of God, we ourselves, all we do from morning till night, from day one to the end, From January 1 to June 30 and continuing from July 1 to end of December is to prepare to make heaven. That at any point in time you are ready for the coming of your Lord. That's the Christian life. You don't drop your Christian life for one moment and hope that maybe when you come back you will continue with God where you stopped. That's the essence of the theme of this year. That's the essence particularly as we see the happenings and events around us. To use them as reminders to tell us again, buckle up. The second purpose of why the church exists is here to just tear us up. To warn us from events around to be ever ready to live on a daily basis expecting the day of the Lord. And to live on a daily basis expecting encounter with him in daily dealings, in the things we do. And as we read in Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 21, that we may be set apart, sanctified, kept for the master's use, prepared for every good work. 2 Timothy 3.17 will say that the man of God, that anyone who has been saved, that anyone who has been drawn from the lost world will be thoroughly prepared unto every encounter, unto every good work. May the Lord find you and I more than ever ready and prepared every day in this second half of the year until December 31 rolls by. And if it pleases him and he hasn't come by then and we are privileged to enter 2018 and beyond. May you live a life in which his blessings abound and in which his glory is seen in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's why we read in our text. For the lesson this morning. Hebrews 11.7 By faith Noah. Being warned of God. Of things not seen as yet. Moved with fear. Moved with holy fear. Prepared an act To the saving of his house. By the which he condemned the world. And became heir of the righteousness. Which is by faith. Being warned of God. Of things he hadn't yet seen, that was Noah, as yet. But by faith, he hadn't seen, he hadn't experienced the flood before. It was like fairy totally. But being warned by God, that was enough. And Noah in obedience, moved with holy fear, moved with reverence, moved in complete obedience. There was no rationalizing there was no saying well god this thing hasn't happened ever before so why will it happen in my own time not my portion let me just continue as usual prepared an act what was the result to the saving of his house may we be prepared to the saving of our lives to the saving of our households to the saving of our families to the saving of the church. And to the saving of as many as the Lord will have us encounter in the name of Jesus. On the day of his reckoning. That was Noah. The message Bible will put it just this way. For emphasis. By faith Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see. He hadn't experienced Nothing around suggested a flood that will swallow the whole city, talkless of the whole world then, talkless of the buildings, talkless of the mountains that will last for five good months, 150 days. Nothing in previous experience, nothing in the literature before then, nothing in the stories before then has suggested that. But simply because God said, the end has come. All flesh has corrupted itself upon the world. Noah, I am going to wipe out this world with flood. So, prepare and act. And the Bible said that was enough for Noah, right from then, to change his lifestyle. No longer to continue as usual. Noah went into action. And he prepared an ark in a dry land, not even when there was water around. That's where you build arks, boats, ships, near the water places. But this one on a dry land, taxing his faith. But Noah remained steadfast. And the Bible says he acted on what he was told. The result his family was saved. May we also remain prepared. Preparing the act of our lives. And to the saving of our souls. And our generation in the name of Jesus Christ. Now prepared. To meet God's warning. Concerning the end of their times then. When you read history. Biblical history. They will talk of antediluvian age. The deluvian age. Post-diluvian age. Diluvian means Flood. So, Noah has been used as a reference point in his days, as it were. And like we said, there hadn't been anything like the flood before. If you remember, the account of Genesis was said in the beginning, God. The earth was full of chaos. There was darkness everywhere. And the Spirit of the Lord brooded over the earth. And it was only at the speaking of God. At the mountain of God, let there be light, let there be darkness, let there be night, let there be day, let there be body of waters collected and called the sea, let there be the dry land. It was only then that these began to appear. And they remained in their places. And human beings came in too, through Adam and the rest of the creation. And there hadn't been any experience of torrential flood. 2012 in Nigeria, there was torrential flood that drained and sunk many places. Anambra was typical of them at Anasai. And many of the homes around. And that wasn't far beyond. A month ago in Ibadan, we learned that places were drowned. And people lost their lives. Cars couldn't move across. And it's happening yet more. But they hadn't had any of such. And God said, Noah, there's a flood coming. It will be so torrential. It will bring an end. Go and act. Prepare and act. That will keep you safe. And that will save you from the flood to come. There was no previous experience. There was nothing to compare with. But Noah acted on what he was told. Praise the Lord. May you and I act not only like Noah did. But even before, the signs are all right. We have signs, we have warnings, we have telltale. On a daily basis, they unravel. The prophecy reminded us that they will continue. And this will continue without end because we are in the last days. Man will try his best, but his best will be limited. Because events are running according to biblical prophecy. And according to God's timetable. And none can change it. So what do you need to do? If you are already in the act of the saved of the Lord, prepare yourself. To meet with God. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not even be next year. But be prepared all the same. Because as it happened in the days of Noah and God warned. As Second Peter chapter 3 did say it. will happen again. And this time the Bible tells us the earth has been reserved for fire. Not flood this time. So if God now has a previous experience of a flood. And he says this time, fervent heat, we melt everywhere, then we had better be ready. Because if in this world only, we even have hope in Christ, if all we live for was just for a short while of 10, 15, 20, 30, 70, 80, 90 years, an eternity beckons. And it happens to be that eternity is real, and by every account and every experience is very real. Eternal life is real. Heaven is real. Hell is real. And it chances upon you. What a great loss. That you got into the ark of salvation. You didn't make it to the end. May that not be our portion in the name of Jesus Christ. And as the program of the chapel has gone on for the whole year. As we also daily expect the day of the Lord. As we daily live a prepared life. As we show by action and by every way that we need and we want and we desire to encounter the Lord. It may not just be for the day of the Lord and the coming and the last day. It will be also be on a daily account, expectant of the Lord's visitation upon our life. Was it not because Noah had a record that we should soon read in Genesis? That out of all the men on the earth, when this history was recording that the earth was corrupt, evil, full of violence. Here was a man receiving a visitation from God. Did God tell him beforehand he will visit him? Did God tell him beforehand I will use you as an instrument of deliverance? Did he receive a vision beforehand that I'm going to have you as you prepare yourself, save your household and preserve the next generation to come. History will reckon with you. Antediluvian, pre-deluvian, post-deluvian period. But just as his life every day was lived under God's eye, he received God's visitation. When men were receiving condemnation, Hebrews 11:7 said, By his faith and by his righteous living, he made a demarcation between the righteous and the unbelieving world. May our lives remain that in the eye of God, in the name of Jesus Christ. We meet Noah first in Genesis chapter 6. Having met him first in Genesis 5.27 through his grandfather, Methuselah was Noah's grandfather, the oldest living human being on earth, 969 years. But he lived as usual. He was born, he lived, he gave birth, and he died. Full stop. Nothing more. Life as usual. That's what many people are living on. Noah was different instead of having just that appellation like many of the others we have a bit more detail of his account in genesis 5:32, we read that Noah was like any other normal human being as it were in many ways he had children he had ham he had shem he had Japheth. but that was where he differed from the rest of them in genesis 6 we read an account That Noah was already 500 years old. And nobody lives that way anymore. Because during those days of the flood, as they were coming up, God said the days of man will no longer be more than 120 years old. And it seemed as if he has continually been dropping that. People have kept saying about people who live 130, 140. They are not sure. Because there was no record of those who had lived then. And people had kept believing they will live that one twenty years. They are not sure yet. We don't have any recent history of people who have lived there. It's not biblical. Don't quote me. But I know that most of our people are living 100. and. By the time they are reaching 110, if there's anybody like that, they would have also taken their bow and gone out as it were. Moses himself lived just around then. And from then he's been coming down and down. And so Noah was 500 years old. According to the time of that period when men lived 700 and 800 and 900 and he lived as usual with the others, but not living every day in the context of their own lifestyle. We now find that despite being any other human being, normal like others, he could have children, he could live in the same environment, Noah determined to be different. Genesis chapter 6. Look at verse 5 there. Please read for us if you are there from verse five through twelve, Genesis six five twelve. Hallelujah.
1: The thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, and he and it repented the Lord that he made that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beasts and the creeping things, and the fowls of the air, for it repents me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a great man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. And God, father, and Noah for that reason, Shem, Ham, and Japhet. And the earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, And behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted its way upon the earth.
0: Praise the Lord. Somebody said earlier on that corruption was not a Nigerian word. And he was right. Corruption was not even an English word, so to say. The English didn't invent it. Corruption had been there since the days of the Bible. Corruption in its greater context. Can you just see the account of the first world with Noah? It just reads like a tale of violence, evil, wickedness. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only what? Evil, continually, without stop, no chain, no hindrance. Verse 11. The earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. So they didn't start today. God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh. All flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Let me read part of it in the Message Bible. God saw that human evil was out of control. People thought evil. Imagined Evil, 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 evil. From morning to night. God was sorry. That he had made the human race in the first place. He broke his heart. God said. I will get rid of my ruined creation. Make a clean sweep. People. Animals. Snakes. Bugs. Birds. The works. I'm sorry I made them. But Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. Praise the Lord. So it wasn't just that he prepared for the end. Every day his life was already prepared for God's encounter, for God's favor, to set him aside. When there was casting down everywhere, that was how he merited that. It wasn't just preparing for a day that he hadn't known, I hadn't seen before. What God saw in Noah, he liked. Verse 9. This is the story of Noah. One was a good man, a man of integrity in his community. Noah walked with God. And then verse 11. As far as God was concerned, the earth had become a sewer. You know what a sewer is? Drainage. Drainage for waste. You know how waste drainage is. You know how it smells. That's a sewer. It was full of foul smell. Unpleasant smell, non inviting smell, no longer a place to be desired to go into. The earth had become a sewer. There was violence everywhere. God took one look and saw so how bad it was. Everyone corrupt and corrupting. Continuous act. Continuous evil. Just like we heard, they will continue unto the end of the times. Everyone corrupt and corrupting. The violence is everywhere, God said. And making a clean sweep. Life itself corrupt to the core. And God told Noah, it's all over. It's the end of the human race. So we can see that Noah, like we are doing, lived in a desperately corrupt age. Desperately corrupt dispensation. Evil, Wickedness, violence, many words suggesting the same thing. In a depraved world. It was in this same Genesis chapter 6 that we heard that angels, sons of God, began meeting meeting with the daughters of women. Perversion, sexual perversion all around there. Violence, corruption, wickedness, the thoughts and the imaginations continually all set on a to do evil. So, God saw that in the days when Noah lived and God said I'm going to destroy the human race on this age I'm going to bring an end to it yet in the midst of that moral darkness, decadence evil, corruption and the wickedness in the midst of it, Noah's life shone. Noah's life was different. Noah's life was prepared for God's visitation then. For God's account on a daily basis. For God to relate with him. That wasn't the only time God met with him, having met him. By the time he finished building the ark, God also came again in Genesis chapter 7 and said, Noah, enter the ark with your family. These are the things you are going to enter with. And by the time they did enter, God himself shut the ark. So it was an encounter that continued, not just once and for all, not just when you are born again, you are ready for heaven. The reason why you don't go to heaven once you are born again is because it's not yet time to go. There is work to do. There's a relevance for you here on earth. When you finish your work, ready and prepared, then God can take you home. But if perchance you also live in such a way that you get on to living life as usual, God will also take you away from continuing in polluting the rest of the race. And that's why the moment somebody like Elijah said, Lord, I'm not better than my forefathers. Let me go. His ministry ended. He ended right there. The moment that Saul began to disobey God from the purpose that God allowed him to live, he began now to chase David from Helter to Skelter and let the work of God, the Bible says the evil spirit from Entered him and he no longer was in God's reckoning. Men were still reckoning with him as long live the king. But in God's, and all, in God's reckoning, Saul had ceased to be the king. He was only existing humanly, no relevance, no worth. May our lives remain just like that of Noah, prepared every day on a daily account for the Lord's visitation, favor separation, grace, deliverance, and yet prepared unto his eternal communion in the name of Jesus Christ. So we see what happened in the days of Noah. And God gave him an assignment. And God gave him a divine revelation which he didn't have before, which no man had encountered. He visited him in verse 12 and 13 and said, the end of the human race has come. I will destroy the earth. Make an ark and build an ark from eek In James Version we say, from Gopherwood. Prepare an act. God said to Noah, verse 13, It's all over. It's the end of the human race. The violence is everywhere. I'm making a clean sweep. Friends, Noah had found such favor with God, with his lifestyle, that God could give him details. Details about himself. Details about his family. Details about the work that will save the next generation. Details of eternity. May arise the search in the name of Jesus Christ. And so God told him, make an ark. In verse 14 to 16, he said, build yourself a ship from thick wood. Make rooms in it. Cut it with pitch inside and outside. Make it 450 feet long, 70 feet wide, 40 feet high. Build a roof for it. Put in a window 18 inches from the top. Put in a door on the side of the ship. And make three decks, lower, middle, and upper. And in King James Version, we have the number of the qubits there. Depending on what a qubit is, a qubit could be between 18 inches and 25 inches, depending on the measure. So you find the account here, 450 feet by 75 feet by this other feet. Other account will tell you 525 by 87 by 52 feet. Yet, you have other accounts saying 618, depending on the size of a cubit. But what is important is that God told Noah to build an ark that was more than three times the length of a football field. You can now begin to imagine what we are talking about. The task that God set for him. If we use the measurement of 450 feet, which is the least... In other words, it was at least four times the length of a football field. An average football field is 100 feet. An average football field is about 60 feet wide. So, four times the length. And more than the width of a football field. And to build it three stories high. Or two stories high. Three floors. First deck, second deck, third deck. Clear instructions, specific to the detail. Put a window 18 inches from the top. Specification of a man whose life was prepared for daily encounter with God. And he couldn't go wrong from then on. May our lives be prepared, open, direct to receive instructions from God on a daily basis. As you prepare on a daily basis, you're already prepared for his coming in the name of Jesus Christ. It won't take you by surprise. You don't need any other fresh preparation for the day it will finally come because, like we know from scripture, it will come suddenly. Louis own came announced. He didn't know the dates, but he knew it was coming. There hadn't been any prayer warning experience. But all the same, he went on and lived in such a way that God liked what he saw, as the scripture put it, in the life of Noah. Just, righteous, walking with God in the same generation that was full of evil continually, imagined evil continually, practiced evil without end, full of wickedness, full of violence. What more could you describe with him? Full of perverseness. Perverse in every way. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 5 told us that while Noah built the ark, he was a preacher of righteousness. So he spent the period not just preparing an ark, preparing for his family to be saved, but still preparing the hearts and souls of others, preaching. But we have an account. Seemed from the Bible in places that it looked like those whom he preached to for nearly 100 years. Mocked him. They came, looked at the work Noah was doing. and said, has Noah gone mad? Whoever has heard of a flood in the nearest past, talkless of distant past. Whoever did you get this fairy tale from? It was to them as one who mocked. That's how the scripture put it. And they laughed and they said, no wonder. That's how these people are. They say they are born again. They say they are making heaven. And they live different from everybody. Their lifestyle is different. Their practice is different. They are just a saw when they are in your midst. They can't allow you to express yourself. I don't know whether you have heard such comments. If you have, you're on the track with Noah. Remain there and don't change in the name of Jesus Christ. Provided it's for good. And so they laughed and went on. And for about a hundred years, you can imagine, in those days, there were no electric stores. I don't know where he got the wood from, as it were, because God told him this specification. A man was busy building a ship that the others didn't help him out. There was no person to hire because they didn't believe in what he was doing. All they did was to just mock and laugh and tell stories and make up more concerning Noah and so he built a ship four times football field two stories high and the length more than the length of a football field that was no easy task it took persistent faith it took believing the lord it keeps steadfastness in what he was told to remain there day and night without shifting ground and may our lives not shift ground from having been saved and missing it out at the end in the name of Jesus Christ. That was Noah. Diligent, remaining there to the core. And by the time it was time, Genesis seven told us in verse five. And Genesis six twenty two, we are saying the same thing. Thus did Noah. According to all that God commanded him, so did he. Genesis seven five. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Is that not all God is asking us to do? Simply live a life worthy for my encounter, worthy for my dwelling. Keep away from evil. That was the last high priestly prayer of Jesus. Lord, thank you for those you have given me. I'm not praying that you should take them away from the world so that they'll be in a monastery, so that they will be in a convent. I'm not telling that you should keep them separated away in a different environment. Yet in the world, corrupt, wicked, violent, degenerate, perverse as it is. Lord, keep them from evil, that they may also be with us, where you and I are. The same purpose at the beginning, the same at the end. Noah did according to all that God told him. And in Genesis 7-6, Noah, was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. So for nearly 100 years, from 500 years of age where we met him, for all the rest of his life thereafter, he was preparing his life. He was preparing an act. He was busy. He remained with God despite the mockery. He preached to them, perchance, they may be converted. Alas, we learned there were only eight of them saved. Him, his wife, his three sons, and his daughters. His own was even better. The three sons and their wives. Lot's own was worse. I'm sure you remember. In Lot's own, the husbands of the daughters could not even be saved. They didn't go with them. And even the wife along the way had coma. She had her leg. She got missing in action. Got saved at the point of believing God On the way out from destruction, she never made it to the end. That life was never prepared all along. So we have ample examples. And as we talk about the days of Noah, what about our own days? We just look at a few of the things again that God has kept bringing to our notice about the days in which we live, the last days, just to remind us, just to prepare our heart, just to tell us, wake up. Don't remain living as usual, business as usual, life as usual. Every day be prepared, examine yourself, and put yourself into a picture just like Genesis said, that God will like what He sees in you every day. That's the way of summarizing our life. Most people here, especially women, you have a mirror, true of us. Virtually every woman here, Many men do have. I know some of them don't really bother. But even then, before you leave your room to step out, what do you do? You look in a mirror. Some have a mirror larger than their height. Some have ones as small as just to catch their face. But whichever it is, you like what you see before you do what? You step out and you feel confident to go into the world. Put it another way. All that God is telling us with the things around is that every day before you step out from sleep and get into the day, allow God to like what he sees in you and continue for the rest of the day. That's the short and summary way of living the Christian life and preparing. If you are happy with what you see about yourself, just transfer it and say, somebody else is watching me. Somebody else is interested in what I do today. Somebody else is interested in my encounters today. Somebody else is interested also in the speeches I will make today. In the silence I will keep today. In my mannerisms. Does he like? Will he like what he sees? That will be all. And that will be all the preparation. And that will be enough to keep us every day on our toes. Ready? Ready? for God's visitation, ready for God to deliver us when others are in forms of casting down, and ready even for His eventual coming. Praise the Lord. These Noah's days we have seen, characterized by violence, characterized by apostasy, instead of men believing God for the whole number of years you have preached, none believed except members of His immediate household. Thank God that they even believed. And that's what the Bible said he prepared to the saving of his house. At least there were members of his house who went on with him to preserve the generation that has gotten you and I to where we are today. So Noah lived such. There was wickedness, there was corruption, there was violence, there was apostasy, there was rejection of God. And if you think that were only in days of Noah, we have seen even much more today. We'll take a look at some of the events of the last days. Again, as a reminder, we'll complete some of them this coming Wednesday, or Upper Wednesday. For those of you who are not able to usually make it on Wednesdays, you will miss them. But all the same, if God also makes you no longer live as usual, then there will be a change. You will be with us there in the name of Jesus Christ. Let us also see what else happened in the days of Noah. Matthew 24 37 to 39. Matthew 24, 37 to 39. And then look at our days and see some of the events that are reflective of them and more also. And there the need, as Noah got God's warning, how much more need we to live even more prepared life. If you are there, please read for us. Matthew 24, 37 to 39. Hallelujah.
1: The coming of the Son of Man will be like what happened in the time of Noah. In the days before the flood, people ate and drank, men and women married, up to the very day Noah went into the boat. Yet they did not realize what was happening until the flood came and swept them all away. That is how it will be when the Son of Man comes.
0: The arrival of the Son of Man will take place in times like Noah's. Before the great flood, everyone was carrying on as usual. Every activity was going as usual. Men spent their energy and gave all their time to daily dealings. Having a good time, right up to the day Noah bothered the eye. They knew nothing until the flood hit and swept everything away. So, giving away a marriage and marrying, building, buying and selling, are those not the normal human day activities? Here I even summarize what the human activities are. Buying and selling, commerce, increase in business activities, men overly concerned with the dollar to the naira, Concerned about the cost of Gary, concerned about the cost of a cup of rice. Activities of buying and selling to sustain life. Activities of buying and selling to clothe themselves. Building things that are just the basic necessities of life. And then giving a marriage, starting a new home. I can imagine some who say, Look, and each time we pray and say that, they'll say, Let the Lord not come until I marry. And others will say, let the Lord not come until my daughter marries. Let the Lord not come until my son marries. And at least I will be able to enjoy a little bit of the labor of my hands. Let the Lord come. But if it is time, let your son and your daughter marry in the name of Jesus. You will not miss anything. If you haven't gotten them here on earth, you will get far more than that. Where? In heaven. But these are the things that make you just draw back, and before you know it, as usual, you just leave out and say, "No, it can't be, it can't be." And just like we read in Second Peter chapter three, these things have been said over and over again. After all, go to the billboards around Enugu. How many billboards do you see? "I'm coming soon." How many billboards do you say? "Behold, he's coming." How many times do you listen to the radio or televangelist evangelist who says, "Look." Prepare your life. The end is near. No, that's not common. That's not popular. We prefer the business as usual and the uncommon miracles, uncommon blessings, uncommon lifestyle. How the Lord will suddenly make you a billionaire and a trillionaire. How you will just do altar versus altar and according to the measure with which you give, the Lord will multiply. How you can live anyhow and then the success of making it rich, making it big, living the life you're supposed to live. That's the billboards that you see around. One night to the king and it will happen. And I told us, I'm sure some of us said, when I see you, I will prophesy. So we had the days of Noah, events of apostasy. Tendency to reject God, tendency to reject preaching, they are still with us today and even on a more colossal basis. Many of you who are involved with government dealings, things that are official, federal government particularly, I think some states and institutions are copying it too. Most times now, especially in former government regions, they won't pray. They will say, shall we recite the second stanza of the national anthem? I don't know if some of you have had that experience. They are beginning gradually to phase it out. Even at the University of Nigeria, when they had the former chairman of the governing council, who was either an atheist or a great messenger, who was a son, who has taken many phenomenal cases. In his early days, when the council will sit, he will say no prayer. Shall we recite the second stanza of the national anthem? And some of them said, no, how can we not pray here, in this Christian environment? I don't know what happened thereafter. But we're talking of apostasy, tendency to just reject God, reject anything preaching, reject anything that suggests Jesus as the salvation for mankind. It's no longer history to hear now. That prayer, our lost prayer, which was the institution on which America stood, is no longer in public schools. I'm sure you already know that. It's no longer news to hear that. And then in many of their inauguration, national affairs, except for the one of inauguration of Donald Trump of recent, when you he heard uh, Franklin Graham pray. All the others, when they are praying, you wonder whether they are reading a recitation and whether they are reading an incantation. And by the time they finish, you will know they have finished. And they will just suddenly say one esoteric thing and say, Amen. I say not to offend the sensibilities of any man. We don't want to offend any man's sensibilities. And if that is not enough, many of the inscriptions that you see around, even in our schools, when this administration came on, I'm sure many of you heard about the curriculum for education that was changing God and changing Jesus Christ, and even saying that Jesus was not the Son of God, and saying religious studies should not be taught in schools. Now, they are seemingly ameliorating that because of the protest that came from people. But that is part of the sign of the age. Apostasy, rejecting things God, rejecting things that have to do with spirituality, especially Jesus. They'll tell you, look, it's alright to pray in the name of God, but don't put Jesus there. Why? If you put Jesus, it is an admission that anyone who does not believe in him shall not be saved. It will exclude so many who now say that Jesus did not actually die. That he only disappeared and he will appear again. So they believe with you that Jesus is coming again. But how do they explain his coming again without dying and resurrecting? They say he was stolen away and he disappeared. How can God kill a righteous person like Jesus? It was the face of Jesus, but it was Judas who was killed on the resurrection day. On the day of... uh, Good Friday. So it wasn't Jesus. God cannot kill a righteous man. And so they explain it away. So we are living in an age that is called postmodernism, post Christian era, relativity, relativism. They say there's no absolute right anymore and there is no absolute wrong. Don't use the Bible as a standard for what we are doing and for what we are saying. Don't quote the Bible again. There are others who are insulting their sensibilities. Whatever is right in your own eye, that is what is right. Don't put and judge another man in his own way of life living. America is a champion for that. We shall have in the course of this half of the year, a discussion on postmodernism. And I pray that the Lord also keeps us on the banner in the name of Jesus Christ. And so, what happened in the days of Noah are here with us. They are not news, they are on an increasing basis, on an increasing level. They are. And of course, business, up and down, building, giving a marriage, all of them. Now, people are competing on who will be the greater billionaire. And people are competing on who will range into Trilonia. And some have mentioned there's also zillionaire. And so the more near it sounds, the better it seems to be. Gone were the days when thousands of Naira were like a mirage in your eye. I was reading an article of somebody in our days when we said that our monthly salary when we started as residents was around 400 and something. Sometimes it went on to 4,000. Now you are getting hundreds of thousands and it's not yet enough and you go with it to the market, you won't get that money. And then now, when they mention millions those days, you would nearly faint. But now, a million is nothing. It's billions that is the cross of the matter. I say, so who is, has greater billion than the others? And people are ready to do anything in the names of buying and selling. Baby factory is now a business. I'm sure you know that. We're talking of wickedness. We're talking of lawlessness. We're talking of violence and bloodshed. Babies are shed and women and young women are brought in now. It keeps happening. The police keeps arresting, but it's now business for many who get young girls and get them in the family way and feed them. And the moment they deliver, they pay them a pittance, 50,000, and then sell off the baby for 1.5 million. And you continually hear them. They are not about to end. They will increase. You just said about Evans. Evans, what a beautiful name. And his Hebrew name, beautiful too. onamadike One name that you won't miss in a crowd. Just 36 years old. From when we're here. And they reckon that for 7 years he has operated... He began to take ransom. What was his business? Kidnapping. Talk about violence. Talk about bloodshed. Talk about wickedness. Kidnapping. And he had two separate gangs. One gang was responsible for doing what? Receiving, kidnapping the victim. They will hand over to a second gang who never knew where the victim would be captured. And the first gang would never know where the second gang was keeping the victim. What an ingenuity in crime, in wickedness. And they said, when 150 million, 500 million were not enough for him, he now said, according to his own confession, that he wanted to be different from the other kidnappers. And so he wanted now to go in the range of dollars. And so I read through the last four or five of his victims won one million dollars. Paid. I don't know where they got the money from. In such a short time. But we are talking of evil. We are talking of bloodshed. We are talking of lawlessness. It's not far. It's near within us here. He was dealing in one million dollars. The one that eventually gave him out, we learned, uh, Donald Dunu. A businessman, dealing in pharmacy. I don't know the ransom money that they had mentioned. Maybe up to five hundred million I'm not sure now. But the family was able to raise 150 million naira which was given to the Evans group. And they say it's not enough. It's chicken feet. He are daring us. And they say they were going to kill the man. And by God's own way of doing things just a day before he was to be killed he escaped. He was the one who gave the tip to the police the SSS and the rest of them on advance, being arrested eventually. This is our age. Looking for money by all means. Making it by all means. And the people around him where he lived in Magodo, Lagos said they didn't know. And then even those who knew will now come and say we don't know him all. Oh, we don't know him. He became a tourist attraction. Buildings everywhere and people were hailing him. 36 years old. So from 29 years of age he had become the kingpin of kidnappers. And kidnapping is not ending yet. Two weeks ago, the head of department of one of the departments here in this suit was kidnapped. On his way from Port Harcourt to Enugu, along the way. I met the relative sometime in the week. I asked her how much was paid. She said she hadn't heard the full story yet. And as if that was not enough, a week ago at Taban another medical doctor was kidnapped. So it's a continuous business. Lawlessness, bloodshed, And human lives so cheap. So cheap as it were. So they were in the days of Noah, violence, wickedness, evil continually. And they haven't yet ended in our time. They're only continuing. And we see the accidents, the crashes that take place. We have mentioned relatively about the violence. Boko Haram continues. Unabated. The government has spoken English. They have been decimated. But they are still there. And somebody who has been doing sabbatical in Medicare said, Look, it may not be about to end. People are making business from Boko Haram. Don't quote me. But it's open secret around there. That those who are supposed to be chasing Boko Haram, if within a period nothing happens, they will detonate some devices so that attention will be there. Perhaps, God helping, that one will not kill anybody. So that there will be continuous attention. At North the United Nations and all the aid agencies are bringing their dollars. So people are feeding through people's blood. This is the day in which we live. Everything is business area, buying and selling, even with people's lives. Of course, we talked about housemen. At each point in time, there's an activity that is causing bloodshed, violence. If they are not happening in Undo, they are happening in Benue. If they are not happening there, they are happening somewhere in Enugu state. The one that happened of recent, that we haven't yet gotten out of. Somewhere in Enugu, side of Enugu state. So, violence, bloodshed, wickedness, perversion. Sexual perversion. Romans chapter 1 has a lot of them. People who did not like to retain God in their knowledge. And God gave them over to vile affections. Men with women being what was unnatural. Now, you have the coin LGBT. And you think it's a very big acronym. Find one. L for lesbian. G for gay. B for bisexual. T for transgender. Is a group. It's a powerful group. That is now influencing governments of the world. Part of the aid that Nigeria is no more getting, especially in the health area, was because some of those non-governmental agencies from outside the country insisted that Nigeria must recognize same-sex marriage. And when the bill was passed rejecting same-sex marriage, many of those foreign donors did what? Withdrew their aid. That's part of it. And that is not news now. I'm sure over the week, if you were reading the TV footage, you saw Germany MPs did what? Endorse same sex marriage. So while America went ahead, the first thing Obama did when he came in was to repeal the uh, rule on do not tell. The armed forces who usually go to fight and protect America usually. They were banned from disclosing their sexual identity. Some of them were usually homosexuals, And the defense they had was that because they stayed a long time without women, they would have abnormal sexual relations. And so they had a rule, do not tell anybody your sexual orientation. Obama came on and said, look, that is anachronistic. It's old-fashioned. Be free to tell anybody you are gay. Be free to tell anybody you are homosexual. Yeah, I have the same right as any other human being. And so they have repealed that. And the same policy they followed up. They brought pressure on Nigeria all through until that bill was passed. And since that bill, Nigeria hasn't been in the nation good books of many of the nations, America inclusive, especially during that regime. Germany, which used before to say that they recognized um, adultery. Adultery was part of business dealings. Now there was no problem. In the same journey, they said incestuous relationship is not a crime. If a man sleeps with his daughter, it's not a crime. If a girl sleeps with the in-law, it's not a crime. That is their level of civilization now. They have knowledge, but they have chosen to remove God out of their knowledge. Japan already, like we know, has said that in our technological advancement, there is nothing like adultery. It's part of normal business. You can sleep with somebody as part of business negotiation, and you will still get it going. South Africa, long ago, has already recognized gay marriage, sexual perversion, and they are on everywhere. Some while ago, you saw a group of people on TV in America, naked, bearing their buttocks. They were making a demand. We are talking of the days of Noah and the days of now. The lawlessness, the sexual perversion, the unlawful relationships with all. Again and again. Pornography is no longer news to many people. To the extent that even in church, many people will be in the guise of reading the Bible. They will suddenly switch over to pornocytes. And some will even be sexting. And they have coined new words texting, sexting. Everything that has to do with perversion, they go right in there. And they are in the rooms, in our visiting rooms. One of the days, earlier in the week, as it were, I was flipping through to my email and eventually got to a side that my wife wondered, Ah, what are you doing there? Somebody was trying to undress. It was Nollywood. And they have told him, Real Nolly. So in Nigeria now, the people that are being used for gay, for lesbianism, To now make it acceptable. Don't go on man-woman relationship. Don't insist on it. And because they know it's not officially recognized. They have begun to play on the minds of the youths And those who will eventually with time say look there's nothing wrong with it. So in Nollywood now. Is that not what they call the Nigerian movies. They have what is called the real Nolly. And sexual acts are performed. If not explicitly, all the moves are there. So many of these popular uh, actors and actresses you now see, if they want real big money now, they will agree to act in sexually explicit ways, as it were. And the moment they do that and they are people's idols and they influence the mind of others, then they begin to sit in. So the perversions are here with us as well. And they are not about to go away. The things that we read other places are around us. Now, it's no longer news to hear that somebody is not faithful with his wife or with a husband. There are people who now talk about uh, friendship with benefits. Have you heard that? Friendship with benefits. Let's just be friends. Some say it's even better now to be friend and sleep with somebody who is married with no strings attached. Rather than the singles, as it were. So, leave them away. And it's happening in Nigeria. And many who are married are also being their away. And these are signs of the times in which we live. The religious, the moral fabric, they're all attacked. And they're not about to end. So they're everywhere. And they're increasing. And they will yet increase the more. Now you don't need even to get telephone. Social media, whether you want to see them or not, they will come right on at you. And it depends on your righteous soul maintaining integrity before you can be gathered on. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 24 and say a few more things for now. Then we can close up at least until next time Wednesday or next week Wednesday as we continue right on. In that Matthew chapter 24, where we have read earlier on, we have talked about the signs of the end times. We have seen Noah's days and we have seen our days. We have seen the aspect that deals with the religious with the moral. We've seen also the aspect that even deals with the social fabric. All for money. Just get it. But here we also see part of the religious here. Yeah. They asked Jesus three questions in Matthew chapter 24 verse 3. The disciples did. He had made a comment earlier to them about the stones that were lying there, particularly the temple. And they said, look, look at how beautiful this temple is. Look at how well built it is. And Jesus told them in verse 2 of Matthew, None of these stones you see here today will be lying one on top of each other in a short while to come. And they came and now asked him, Tell us. Verse 3. He sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? When shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of your coming? Question 2. And what shall be the sign of the end of the world? When shall these things be? referred to when will the end of Jerusalem be? And, and AD 70, Jerusalem crumbled. Not one stone was lying upon the other. We are told that Jerusalem was pulverized. In such a way that a caterpillar brings down a building and crushes it. Not one stone was lying on the other. Jerusalem was bare. History. AD 70. The other three events they said. Tell us what shall be the sign of your coming. And the end of the world. And the rest of Matthew chapter 24. And the rest of Luke chapter 13. And Luke chapter 21. And Mark chapter 13. All to the signs of the end times. Daniel chapters 8 to 12. The same thing. But we'll touch just some here. And we'll leave them for the time being. Enough to tell us that our own times are full of violence. Wickedness. Corruption of moral. Corruption of religion. Corruption of social fabric. All have broken down. Even the physical. Jesus began by telling them in verse 5. Matthew 24. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. You shall hear of wars, rumors of wars, see so that you be not troubled. This must come to pass. The end is not yet. Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. These are the beginning of sorrows. Look at verse 11. Eleven says there many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Look at verse twenty four. There shall arise false Christs, false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So we see here false prophets, false teachers, false Christs, and they are all rife everywhere, all around us. You don't need to look far with the teachings we have around now. Just the other day, we are told that medical students, a good portion of them, the dean of the faculty of medical sciences is here, a good number of them were disqualified from exams because they didn't make 75% attendance. Medical students who should be very serious, who will not take the exams for levity, what were they doing? What made them not make 75% attendance? When others were going to hospital, going to clinic, going for lecture. They remained stuck in their rooms. They would borrow money for recharge. What were they doing? They said they were doing MMM. You remember MMM? Quick money. You double 30%. And as they say, many of the churches, a number of the churches, let me not be superfluous, here in Enugu, also put millions into such an account. They got seemingly the first batch and invested more. And today, MMM has become history. Sadly, as it were, medical students will remain on with their computer, on with their laptop. And I say, why do you have to remain in your hostess? They say you have to be checking minute by minute, minute by minute, because the person you may be matched with may be any moment. And so they kept them on a state of expectancy. And so for hours, they will be glued to their laptop, paying the providers, 80 MTN. Giving them money and also seeing whether they will be matched M M-M-M. M Or to make money. And here they have crushed them and left on. Their career is looking to be in jeopardy. All because there was a teaching. And this teaching was also put in the churches. It's not bad to just follow get rich quick mechanisms. And the church put into it. Some we are preaching. Some of the preachings we have around in the church. Are they not MMM, brother? Are they not? And some have gone to the extent of saying, look, donate your virginity to the pastor. And then it will be your tithe to be your greatest sacrifice. God will open the doors. And so you find many who are espousing, defiling young women in the church, false teachers. And you have heard several times about altar versus altar. Everything ends up with your ancestors. The more you bring to the altar, some throw the money. This God must have suffered a lot. It is the Buddhists who throw prayer points. Some of us have been to India and know the way they pray. They throw prayer points at the Buddha statue. In the hope that as they throw them, he will accept. But they are throwing money, supposedly at our God. Thank God it's not my God that they are throwing at. And so the more you throw the money, the more God will open doors. As if God has become a magician. And here, the more they do, the more the problems remain. It map was there. saw so altar versus altar, prosperity, they are increasing. The false teachers are around. And the Philippians 3, 18, 19 summarizes them. He said, I warn you, as I have warned you before, now with tears in my eyes, that men, seemingly as men of God, seemingly as dispensers of the Gospel, have appeared, whose end is destruction. Whose God is their belly. Who mind only earthly things. Who glory in their shame. There are people who now boast of how much my suit costs. And then if I were preaching, I would simply be dangling my watch. What am I showing you? This watch is $300,000. Three hundred thousand dollars And there are many now who talk of this it journey 8, journey end. Men of God, too. They say, my God is good. If you serve a good God, He will bless you with good things. You see the phone I'm carrying? This phone is the latest. It's 8. Journey 7, Journey 8. Samsung So, And then you spend the money that many are looking for money to eat. $300,000. $600,000. They say one of the watches that Evans was wearing was $600,000. And then his phones were numerous around that age as it were. These are the teachings we have around. And we don't need to look far for many of the false teachers prophets. They have come. They are around. Many more will still come. Jesus of whene? Jesus of Obunike. Obunike here. Olumbo, Olumbo, Obu is still around. He says, I'm the king of kings. His son, Roland Obu of the brotherhood of cross and star says, I'm the lord of lords. He's still alive here. In Cross River, they haven't ceased. You have heard of Maitreya, a man who was appearing and disappearing in Kenya. A prayer rallies, a crusade, he will suddenly appear. And when you are thinking that he will be there to preach, all of a sudden he has disappeared. Or, oh, the Bible says, doing great signs and wonders. We no longer talk now of how many obtain their powers. It's about disparaging others. And that's not our rule. You have heard of Jones. Pastor Jones, who made about 300 of his followers to drink cyanide poison and said, we are heading to heaven. We are heading to promised land. So everybody prepare, And he prepared them and fed them with poison. And by the time the United States Agency law enforcement group were coming, everybody was lying dead there. I'm sure it's no longer news that he also heard about the year 2000 and beyond. He's still alive. Reverend Moon Reven Moon, Unification Church. That's the one that says, bring all your money. Bring all your assets. Computers will crash. Save them into the bank that will never crash. Bring them all. And then by the passing of December 31st to year 2000, most of his church members, their stock, they sold, brought in there. Now it is Reven Moon's account. And many are suing him that he has impoverished them. And his money and his, his account. And there's nothing they can do about it. Right about us here. Some have kept wondering. T.B. Joshua. Is he real or say? Because there are some here who say, I want to go for T.B. Joshua. Pray for me. I say, I won't pray for you. And that one, I'm blunt. We're talking of false prophets, false teachers. We're talking about those who are false Christ. They are around. They are not far. You need to only listen to what they say and what they preach and their lifestyle and you will get them on. And they are there. What about wars and rumors of war? Have we ever ceased with wars now? It's happening with Boko Haram. It's happening with Hessmen, Where it ends, it starts all over again in the Congo. And they are there. We will end at verse 7 of Matthew 24 for today. And there he says, with all these things happening, Nation shall rise against nation. Kingdom against nation. Kingdom. There shall be fair minds. Is there a fair mind in our land today? Is there a fair mind in our land today? Do you have money and you cannot buy Gary the way you used to buy it? Even a loaf of bread that you could get 50, 100 naira, you dare not try that anymore. You'd be looking for 200, 250. Is that fair mind or not? They use glamorous words. They tell us recession. They told us we are not yet in depression. They told us meltdown. And they used fanciful words. But the real thing is that, as the Bible says, we are in a period of famine. Hunger. Hunger in the land. And as it is with Nigeria, so it is with Sudan. And many of the other nations right around us as it were. It says there will be famines. Pestilences. We told us about pestilences before. Occurrences. Diseases. Physical or health-wise, that you do not have an answer to. You don't have medical care. You don't have an answer to them. Ebola came before, didn't it? Ebola is on again. Congo has Ebola. Lassa fever ravaged again. Anambra State is reporting Lassa fever again. We told us they may change cycle. They will never really end because these are signs of the end times. Last week, or week before last, more than 60 people who went for a conference in Kenya died. From what? You would think it was the terrorists that threw a bomb. Cholera. Cholera. Because they tell us there's a new strain of cholera virus that has no cure. So people went for a conference, international conference, and on coming back, their corpses were taken. Cholera. Simple as cholera is. But that is still with us and there seems to be no answer even to that yet so pestilences earthquakes in diverse places who will stop there for now the physical ones the global warming the other aspects, the economic ones the building together the technological ones the ones you now know that when the Bible was saying except they have a sign on their forehead and on their wrist they will not buy or sell you and I are already having that you don't need to buy with money now, do you? Many of us have our ATM, is that not so? Some of us have our Visa card. So the scripture is gradually and steadily being fulfilled. If these are true, what do we do? Prepare to meet your God. Prepare your life on a daily basis because he that will come shall surely come. Hebrews 11:7 says, "Noah, being warned of what he hadn't seen or experienced, acted upon it. Moved with holy reverence, moved in obedience, and prepared an act that saved his household. So prepare. What do we do as we prepare? Second Peter chapter 3, we'll read through that passage, and we we'll round off from there. Second Peter chapter 3, from verse 3. We'll just read there, because that's what the mind of the natural person is saying. And that's what the mind of a Christian, sometimes, who is not prepared, seems to say, to give himself time. Second Peter 3, from 3. First off, you need to know that in the last days, mockers are going to have a heyday. Reducing everything to the level of their feelings, they will mock. So what has happened to the promise of his coming? Our ancestors are dead and buried. And everything is going on just as it has from the first day of creation. Nothing is changed. Is that your mindset? Every year we hear Jesus is coming and he hasn't come yet. And Jesus keeps coming. And Jesus has kept coming to many lives. Jesus can encounter you in different dimensions and change your situation that an unprepared life will not know when he comes, you wouldn't recognize his voice, neither can you admit his company. he wouldn't like what he sees when he looks at you as it were, and many have been dying. There's no age at which somebody cannot die. But thank God that as He helps us and warns us last month, at the beginning of the month, he said there were three coffins ready and waiting to get down. but as we prevail that he himself will have mercy. Thank God that nobody here died in the name of Jesus. These are things that can happen. Even though we have people who have lost their relatives, but death can be certain any day, any time, for anyone. And more importantly, people say, where is the promise of his coming? Friends, a day in the sight of the Lord, like has says. That's verse 5. They conveniently forget that long ago, all the galaxies and this very planet were brought into existence out of watery chaos by God's word. Then God's word brought the chaos back in a flood that destroyed the world. The current galaxies and earth are fuel for the final fire. God is poised, ready to speak his word again, ready to give the signal for the judgment and destruction of those who do not believe. If it took God's word to create the world. It took God's word to say the flood will come. And it came. And it has taken God's word to say, I am coming again. There is the end of all times. Then it will also surely happen. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But friend, what do you really lose? If you prepare and get delivered in righteousness. Nothing. Some people have kept for argument's sake, and say, who told you there is heaven? Who told you there is hell? Experiences, human experience, scripture, which cannot be violated. And the fact that somebody dies and he doesn't evolve from a rat to a lizard. From a lizard to an antelope. From an antelope to a chimpanzee. How many times has it happened since you started existing? That's the theory of those who say there is no heaven or hell. You only evolve from a lower being to a higher being. The fact that it doesn't happen, tell us, heaven and hell are real. And, even if there was no heaven, you haven't lost anything. You have kept your life the way God will like what He sees. And you have yet ended it gloriously. But assuredly, there is. And that's the one reason why you prepare. And so, the same 2nd Peter 3 says, verse 8, Don't overlook the obvious here, friends, with God, one day is as good as a thousand years. A thousand years as a day. God isn't late with his promise. and some measurelessness. He's restraining himself. On account of you. Holding back the end. Because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. Those who have not yet been born again. And you may be here. You are in the right place. The church exists to save the lost. God is giving you space and time to change. Be saved. Enter the ark of salvation. And let assurance of who you are in the Lord be yours in the name of Jesus. It's no longer the time of playing church. It's not the time of playing religion. It's not the time of speaking the way others speak. religious slang. If you don't have a witness... In your heart that you are a child of God, you are none of his. That's scripture, Romans chapter 8. If the spirit of God does not bear witness with you, you are none of his. You may perform all the religious acts. Evans wife says, My husband is not a kidnapper. My husband doesn't do evil. He reads Psalm twenty-three diligently. Every twelfth noon he recites Psalm twenty-three. He joins us in the morning in the evening and in the night prayers and when we go to church he doesn't give away so much money I don't know whether there are people who are that there he will only give five thousand or ten thousand so that people will not know that he has money the highest he has ever given is fifty thousand when one of our children was baptized talk of a man who these in millions he says my husband is an anglican and that's the man who has been brought to limelight there are some here Who boast of their religion, of their lineage, of the works you do? Look at the wife already trying to acquit the husband. He said, don't put him to jail. This is what my husband does. Are you here? And you don't have a witness in your spirit. Where you attend church does not matter. But it will be heart-rending that you attend here and you are not ready. Your heart, your spirit is not ready. What have you been coming to church for? The main purpose of the church to save the lost has not been wrought in your life. Wasted time, wasted energy. If there is no witness in you that you belong to God, please today tell him, Lord, I want salvation. He will open the doors of your heart and light will shine in and darkness will disappear in the name of Jesus. And the inclination to evil will go. Secondly, the Bible says he is giving everyone space and time to change from being as usual. Wake up, dress up, put on Christ, put on the armor of light, and escape from darkness. For now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. Wake up, dress up, and put on Jesus. Let him like what he sees in you. Are there actions? We've mentioned the number of perversions. Some of the things you didn't put and use a long spoon. Now you're embracing them. Now you've grown as you were and you're beginning to accommodate them. He said, time to change so that you can be prepared. Your garment will be white again and you'll be ready to meet with him even at his coming. And then as we end there, it says verse 10. But when the day of God's judgment does come, it will be unannounced like a thief. The sky will collapse with a tundra's bang; Everything disintegrating in a huge fire. Earth and all its works exposed to the scrutiny of judgment. Since everything here today might well be gone tomorrow, do you see how essential it is to live a holy life? And the summary of today's message Daily expect the day of God. Eager for its arrival. Verse 14. So my dear friends, since this is what you have to look forward to, do your very best to be found living at your best. Living so that God will like what he sees on a regular basis in you. Impurity and peace. Interpret our master's special restraint for what it is. Salvation. Salvation for those who have not yet come into him. Salvation, finally, for those who have come into him and are now living as usual. Are now relaxed. Are now tolerating vices that are signs of this age. I'm wondering, after all this long time with God, shall God abandon me? Oh, the Bible says the angels who did not keep their estate, God also destroyed. How much more, you and I, who have received of his blood and tread the blood of our covenant feet again. So, space for time and change. Live a life that measures up to the standard God set when he called you. And Jude 21 tells us, live within the boundaries where God's mercy and love can reach you. On a daily basis, shall we pray? Will you be ready when the Lord shall come? Will you be ready when the Lord shall come? I say, I will be ready. Will you be ready? You be ready when the Lord shall come. Answer: I will be ready. Will you be ready? I will be ready when the Lord shall come. Can you look into your life? Are there some of this perverseness? Habits you are tolerating that we are not part of your life before. Slangs you are inventing, speeches you are involved in, companies you've begun to keep, things you've begun to watch on a regular basis, you are browsing, pornography, the rest of them, sexting, the rest of them. You weren't in them before. You've suddenly gotten too comfortable in the ark of salvation. And you're beginning to drop your care and your watchfulness. Noah was at it every day. You're no longer keen or disturbed about the lives of others around. You're no longer sensitive to the plight. Everybody not the same party. You're all on the same level. No sensitivity to preaching and making a difference. Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. Not to defile his testimony. But not so with you. Anything goes now. You can still speak in tongues, perhaps, because the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. But your life has allowed a lot of water under the bridge. Your attention span to the things of God are beginning to get dull. Your priority has changed to things that can make ready money, ready cash. Your attitude to things is how much will it fetch me? Sacrifice, living for God, and taking a back seat. Speak to God and tell him, Father, this is me. I want to be ready daily for your appearance. Daily for your favor. Daily for your visitation. And God said in Malachi chapter three, sixteen: Then will I open a book of remembrance, as I heard those who call upon my name speaking to themselves. I will open a book of remembrance. They will be mine in that day when I gather my jewels. And you shall come to see the difference between those who serve me and those who do not serve me. Those who fear me and those who do not fear me. There shall be a divine selective favor. I will continually preserve them. I will continually make them up here. But for you, where are you? In the move of God so far. Where in the last days you can't wish things around. Is your life ready, prepared? Does it speak and make a difference, like no, between the just and the unbelieving world? Where is your voice of witness? Tell the Lord, forgive me. Tell the Lord, I'm sorry. In another area, I'm not ready. If the trumpet we are to sound as a hymn before someone, said, God, I'm not too sure. Not too sure I will join the saints to go. Lord, there are still stains in my garments. There are secret lives I'm living. There are relationships I've begun to keep. If I'm not keeping them openly, I've begun to do them by phone. I've begun to do them by other means. I've begun to do them as I travel. Father, I severe from them. These are words of commitment that show us up again as being ready. Being ready. So that God will like what he sees in our hearts, in our minds and in our bodies on a daily basis. And he can prove himself strong on our behalf. What of you who are here, if there is no witness in your spirit that I am a child of God, you are still in sin. You have not been saved. And we cannot shout it enough to say that the purpose of the church is to save the lost. You are in the right place. There is nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to play church. And there's nothing to keep speaking the language of church. And yet, you are none of these. What a heartrending thing. What a loss. This morning, if you don't have a witness in your heart that you are born again, that the Spirit of God is in you, that there has been a change, you can verify. You can stand sure without any doubt that will be your gain. No, I spend time preparing an act. For the saving of his family. God is waiting for one point. Your salvation. Don't let that time go wasted. I want to know and be sure that I am born again. I am saved. Jesus is my Lord. I want to be able by God's grace to live a life as a child of God. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to be sure I am saved. Is your name in the book of heaven? In the book of life? Jesus told the disciples in Luke 10:20, Don't rejoice that the angels and even the spirits are obedient to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Are you sure that now is your name in the book of heaven? If you are not sure, just raise your hand where you are. There's a point of believing you have to do and act on it. Then heaven will also do its part. We have sounded this loud and clear. And we trust the Lord. I trust God that you are in the boat of salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. That nobody here will have an excuse. That when, as we are in the last days, the Lord will not see you and sweep you away, not with the flood this time, but with the fervent heat, you will remain. And you will not only remain, Revelation 3, 5 says, Whosoever shall remain to the end shall be an overcomer, and I will clothe you with a garment of white and righteousness in the name of Jesus Christ. Hold fast to that which you have, and let the grace of God abound in you, and quicken you in every way. Father, we pray, in any way in which we are dropping our gauntlet, in which we are dropping our state of readiness, in which we are dropping our lives, Being in such a state that you will like what you see on a daily basis. Father, forgive us in the name of Jesus Christ. Almighty God, we pick up our gauntlet. We put on Christ. And no longer revel in darkness or in things that are already debasing. And no longer be sucked in by the crowd, by the environment, by the age. Lord we pray, heal us again and bring us to our first state of love, appreciation, zeal and work with you in the name of Jesus. He said in the last days the love of many will wax cold. The things I used to put them on zeal for you, they will suddenly be like cold water on them. Almighty God, we'll rise up ourselves and we'll bring ourselves to the point where your fervency will be upon our lives again, old or young, male or female, in the name of Jesus Christ in this second half of the year, in every day of this month, as we live the rest of our lives, Father, we will live daily expecting of your appearance, of your visitation, and may your favor encounter us in the name of Jesus. Daily, may we experience your walk with Noah, that as you look at him, you liked what you saw. And therefore, Lord, you brought revelations to him. You brought favor to him. You brought deliverance to him. May such be our own portion in the name of Jesus Christ. And may we be preserved unto the end of times in the testimony that your grace is upon our life. And live as those who are not only earthly minded, but who have their hopes in heaven. And live with their heavenly mindedness. And live with earthly relevance. And live every day. As you like what you see in us. Giving you glory and praise. Receive all honor, power, dominion and majesty. In Jesus name we pray.